Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome Podcast, Episode 7. This week I talk to Footy Index FPL from the Twitter community. And uh, yeah, we had a really good conversation. Somewhat of a controversial character, you could say, and that's probably understating it. Um, we didn't shy away from the hard topics to talk about, and there was a bit of banter about it as well. Uh, a lot of knowledge, we talked about a lot of interesting and... I don't know, just yeah, good good football index topics and football in general. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Please give me some feedback. Reviews are unbelievable. Subscriptions, recommendations to friends are probably the biggest thing you can do for me. Just tell your mates about the podcast would mean a lot. And uh, plug me on social media. But yeah, that's all. Here we go. Now we have with us uh, Football Index G. No, it's not GMK. Sorry, it's uh, F- Footy Index FPL. Sorry about that, mate. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. Do you need to? Uh, do you need me to clarify the whole issue, the FPL GMK thing? I was thinking we'll go in hard straight off the bat. And maybe just clarify that one. Do you want to give us your take on that, and then we'll we'll go on to more positive avenues. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, uh, it's a hot issue at the moment, but I am just uh, put the in- index FPL. I've only got one Twitter account, uh, <laughs> and uh, GMK is someone that I've known on uh, FI Twitter for a long time. Uh, I, I think he's a decent guy, but he's definitely a separate person from me. He's a, a I think he, he's a Coventry supporter. I'm a Colchester supporter. And uh, there's no overlap between us. I'd, I've always found it a bit odd when people have claimed we're the same person, uh, yeah. but it's definitely not true. So yeah, uh, well, like people, people are always going to try and find similarities between accounts and and um, and tie them to each other, which which happened last night or yesterday. We'll not go into it too long, but there was there was accusations that GMK was another account. So th- there's three of you now, apparently. Yeah, I I mean to be honest when when people started kind of interjecting on your thread about this podcast with a whole load of stuff that start getting messy uh I whoever that that kind of account that jumped in and started stirring things up pretty soon I just blocked them because they were kind of throwing muck at you and throwing muck at me and I didn't really understand what was going on and then a lot of the other people contributed to that thread after that I've also blocked in the past so I could tell there was a lot of traffic, but I couldn't actually read any of it, which was uh, yeah. kind of quite weird and quite amusing, but that meant that I had you a know, fairly chilled out night rather than seeing that the ongoing frenzy that was happening. Yeah, no, I. it was actually, it was interesting for me. I was out actually having a, a wreck of pints watching the Ireland match yesterday, the Ireland-Italy uh, rugby game, but and obviously the, the Premiership was on in the same bar, but it was. It's the first time I've really properly encountered a troll, and I was kind of sitting there, and I was like, "What's the best way to deal with this?" It's it's one of those ones when you're you're the guy who's the host or whatever. It's like, do you ignore? Do you interact? Do you block? Like, what's the best course of action? So I wasn't sure if they were just maybe a little bit angry and misunderstood, and I I, I put out the olive branch or whatever, and had a little nice comment, sort of said, "Look, mate, I appreciate it, but look, this is why I do this and da da da," and they came back with some fucking trolling post and i was like yeah it's 100 percent a troll there's no doubt about it now so i just blocked it I yeah i think, right I think you said it, it but... was your your first block but you know yeah. i think i know your your podcast is is quite a new one but i think it's a, a force for good on fi twitter because you know 
I'd, I'd certainly the impression I've got so far uh, is, is that you're, you know, trying your best to be independent, that you're going to give a whole range of different people uh, a platform to get their views across and people can then ju- judge those people. And I'm obviously one of them. People can judge those people on what they say. But I don't think there's any, you know, I think it's great that you're being independent about it. And and, and I think the, the podca- FI Twitter podcast sphere is probably going to open up and we might hear, you know, some more diverse views about, you yeah. know, how to trade on FI as a result of that. So you you will probably keep getting trolls at some stage, particularly if you uh, decide to invite on people who have a bit of a controversial reputation yeah, yeah. for whatever reason. But I think it just, you know, that's Twitter for you. It just comes with the territory yeah, sometimes. It's a, it's a sign of growth as well. I suppose like whenever the podcast grows and stuff, it, it, as time goes on and the more people know about it, you're more likely to encounter more trolls and things. It's just part and parcel of it. Yeah. It's, well, just a, it's a hard tightrope to kind of navigate. It's like how to how to act in the wake of it. But look, it's, we're all learning. Yeah. But, um, well, hope, hopefully you'll get more hits after all the, the fuss last night. The drama. You get more, yeah. <laughs> more listens. I don't know whether we're going to uh, we'll manage to kind of live up to the expectations, but yeah. I guess we'll have to try our best. I know, I know. It's yeah. Let, let fingers cross, people enjoy it. But um, we'll move on from all that negative shit anyway. And yeah, um, okay. I just go. We'll, we'll start how I normally start without the banter. Um, your profile says you've been on from November 2017. First off, fair play getting in so early, and secondly, would you like to tell us a bit about how that's went for you, or maybe, yep, sure. maybe what's changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, when I joined in November. 2017 is actually a pretty interesting time to join because that was the month that PB was introduced. Mm. So prior to that, Football Index had been around, but it was just MB. And by all accounts, it was incredibly volatile. It was possible to make money. It was also possible to lose huge amounts of money uh, very quickly. For example, when Zlatan did his knee, loads of people lost loads of money on that. And what the introduction of PB actually did is kind of bring stability to players across the board uh, mm. because uh, you know MB is is very kind of if a player's in the papers or whatever then their, their price will go up if they're not in the papers their price will go down whereas PB traders tend to be a lot more kind of they think any weekend their players could, could uh, win PB so traders tend to be uh, sat there kind of waiting for their PB players to come in but anyway I, I definitely think the, pro- the product became less volatile when PB was introduced. Although, interestingly, I think in my first 12 months on the index, I my portfolio went down in four of those months by relatively small amounts. And the months where it went up, it went up by a lot. That that seems to be how football index grows. The good months are really good. And then you kind of get the flat or down months. But even since then, my, my last eight months in, since then, I don't think I've actually had a down month at all. So all the time, Football index, I think, is kind of maturing and, and actually becoming less volatile. Obviously, you have individual players or asset classes or whatever, sectors or whatever who can be volatile at times. But I do think football index is kind of maturing into a more stable product. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I find whenever it's interesting when you say like the, the good months are tremendous highs and the bad months are just a little bit of a dip. I find that personally as well. I find like if I ever look at my wee buzzbot feature on um, index gain, I don't know if you use it. Yeah, I, yeah. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, I check it. More people have gone up in price than have gone down in price. Now, occasionally, if it's a bit stagnant for a couple of days, there's a bit of bad news. 
it might be a few players have went down in price and one or two have went up. But whenever it's good, like there was, it was a couple of weeks ago, I forget, was it after, was it after the PB Matrix thing? Maybe it's just how I had my yeah, portfolio there was set a big up because I know some there. people lost, but I had mine set up for it. And it was just like, the high was incredibly high. Like there were people jumping by huge amounts and I no one had went down in price. It was, it's interesting that it just shows, I think it's, there's these different periods throughout the year where people just start chucking money in and you just see this explosion. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's because basically football index is in growth mode. There's, uh, you know, new users coming in all the time, quite often through uh, FI's kind of marketing pushes, but also other things like deposit bonuses, etc., or changing the PB matrix encourage existing users are increasing all the time to then put more money in because they see a good opportunity. So uh, as long as football index is in growth mode, then the, the market generally is going up. Uh, and as long as you trade fairly sem- sensibly and you're relatively diverse, then your portfolio should go up really. I mean, we're, we're yeah. this obviously I've been on uh, football index for nearly a couple of years now. And it, the, the over, although there's been some either flat or down months in that time, the overall trend has definitely been significantly up. Uh, which is fantastic and i hope expect that to continue for you know the foreseeable future kind of into the the medium term i don't think you know adam cole and the other executives are are, are in any other zone at the moment other than wanting to keep grow the product uh, either through mark marketing or incentives and and if you you know if while that's going on if you've got your money in it's it's got to be good really yeah, I'm the same. I think this is going to be probably the biggest season yet, and I, I've only been here not as long as you have been here, about nine months now. But it's, I just think like with this big market and push and the sponsorship of kits and the Nasdaq announcement and all the little like the photos you see on Twitter of them on London cabs and tubes and different things and the, something in Waterloo Station recently and all. I just think the more and more people, I think it's like an exponential growth will happen until a point. It's just like the more people that are talking about it, the more people will join, the more people will join, the more people will talk about it. It's just like a, I think it'll just keep happening for a while and it'll really, really ramp up the amount of people that come on until a point and and then it'll probably start to slope off. I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm just excited. I have my money in there now. Yeah. You know, when, when, when the growth does slow a bit, that's the point when, Football index have the, you know, as long as the financials stack up, they have the ability to increase dividends, which obviously we had mm. quite recently back in April. But in between increasing dividends, they just, you know, they want to get new users in and more money in. And, you know, I see the odd shout already of, of traders saying, oh, I think all the prices are getting too expensive. But, uh, you know, people are still comfortable putting their money in. I mean, what it means overall is, is you know, uh, you're kind of potentially you're if in if you've got a very diverse portfolio your your return on investment might slow down up to a point mm-hmm. uh but i think i do think that for the you know the executives are focused on growing the product and i think they've got the ability to keep kind of almost rinse and repeat get more users in more money in and then when the growth starts to flatline a bit they can put dividends up and there was a debate a couple of days ago where people saying well at some stage football index might have to stop doing that and then it will become a zero-sum game and and it will be harder to make money uh but i personally can't see there's going to be a necessity for football index to do that unless their kind of fundamental financials don't stack up very well 
Or the other mm. thing that could happen is football indexes investors who are maybe paying for some of the marketing and, and the and the incentives, etc., may kind of say, actually, we want to start banking some profit now. But I think as long as they're willing to pay the long game, they're they're better off kind of sitting back, getting the pro- the the product bigger, because then eventually down the line, they get they get kind of more profit out of a bigger pie. So. Yeah. But you never know, you know, corporate strategies can change for various reasons. But I personally have a lot of faith that Adam Cole, uh, Mike Bowen and the other executives are playing the long game and want to keep growing football index and want it to be much bigger than it currently is, which, as you know, as we discussed a while ago, is is great for the people who are already on board. Yeah, definitely. I I think they're doing so much right in terms of marketing and growing it. And the, the main issues I suppose they're having recently which we might touch on are to know the like tech issues that seem to be happening all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, the it's, IPOs and it's, it's been, it's, it's always been the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think football index is as much a tech company as it is a, a betting company. Uh, and I'm really interested in the, all the tech companies and how they grow. And I read lots of books about it, etc. And there's a famous quote, which I think is Mark Zuckerberg, the Zuckerberg, the, the Facebook guy, who says tech companies basically the way they have to kind of their business model is to move fast and gr- and break things is what he called yeah. it. <laughs> so you, you just chase growth, chase growth, because if you keep chasing growth, eventually you get a monopoly position like Facebook has got. Uh, and, and then once you've got a, no- a monopoly position, it becomes a barrier to entry to others. And then you can start focusing on how to profit from a position where you're not going to get, you know, a competitor coming in. Uh, and the and the and that quote the break things bit of it is some if sometimes if things go wrong, you kind of accept that it's it's also sometimes these companies actually start kind of breaking regulatory uh, situations like uh, companies like Uber and Airbnb, you know, they they go into cities and and they completely shake up existing industries or sectors. And quite often, actually, the regulators turn around and start changing the laws just to allow them to do it, even though there might have been a, in a grey area before. Now, I don't yeah. think football index is necessarily doing that, but but I do think that quote of move fast and break things is kind of prioritise growth. And if a few things around the edges go wrong, it's that's not our priority at the moment. And uh, to be fair, I, you know, I, I feel sorry for the people who work in uh, football index customer support. I've always found them to be. Uh, absolutely brilliant to deal with but obviously when these things go wrong you know they must have some hellish days in the office with the phone yeah. ringing off the hook and the That's emails so. and the live chat and everything going off but it's you know it's 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 i don't think it's the worst thing in the world the big picture is while that while the football index is growing quickly then our profits are going up so i don't personally have a problem with that yeah i think it's i think it's it's something i've said in the podcast before i, I quote that i've heard from successful people more successful than me is it's better to, to get started than to be right and it's kind of along the same sort of wavelength as what you were saying it's it's best for them just to get it going get growing things are going to break but i genuinely as much as people love bitching about it and as much as there's a bit of blowback whenever things happen and i know it isn't ideal it really isn't and it it is a bit of a shit show like the last what was it the the pb matrix change and stuff i went on i was trying to buy the pie i got very lucky got him at the price he was at before um then i said i got him at two pound or whatever per per future yeah but 
I didn't know I had that until about four hours later. I'd went in and I'd hit it and my balance didn't change and it didn't change. And then I got locked out and blocked. And then I went back and I had it and I was over the moon, but I wasn't happy. But at the same time, it was nowhere near enough for me to start down talking the product to potential new users or for me to actually leave or for me to write a strongly worded email to customer services. Like, I mean, yeah, we all understand right. the stage they're at, you know, there are going to be mistakes and it's not ideal, but they know, you know, they don't need. Well, it's, it's obviously a function of the demand. They've got a lot of users and a lot of people wanted to put money in and, and their systems couldn't cope. I mean, obviously a, a tech company should have the servers or whatever, the backup, the capacity to deal with these things. But I think when good things happen on Football Index, the demand becomes exceptional. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure that it may be that their NASDAQ hookup, which I'm really interested to see how that plays out. And that, that to me, speaks of a company that's looking to keep growing, that's, like, ambitious. And I'm sure they're having to pay a fair bit of money for that link up. And, yeah. and hopefully that will resolve some of their, their IT uh, tech type issues because obviously Nasdaq has has been you know a financial stock exchange in America for many years and I believe it kind of outsources its uh, its software its trading software uh, where it can so it's obviously very robust and has a good reputation so I think that you know I I'm sure down the line the tech issues will start to to calm down that would that would, I'm sure football index focusing on it but when things occasionally go wrong it's not the end of the world i I don't tend to start grumbling on a fi twitter about it i mean people will have a few chuckles oh god you know their servers aren't working again but that's as far as i go just kind of rolling my eyes a bit but i'm not going to fall out of bed and have a huge rant about it yeah yeah i'm the exact same we'll move we'll move on a little bit of a couple of things i want to talk to you about and then maybe we'll get into talking briefly about the risers and fallers and then we'll go to the twitter questions okay yep um you've been known to have somewhat of a like an unconventional trading style would you like to elaborate on that and maybe tell people your sort of take on how you trade yeah i can do i mean i i think probably the conventional trading style on football index is to uh, is to pursue dividends so uh to you know buy mb players or pb players who are likely to accrue dividends and sit there and kind of hold them relatively long term maybe even for the full three years and just be you know, relatively relaxed about prices going up and down because you've got the dividends rolling in. And for, you know, since I've been on FI Twitter, the dividend returns alone on those types of players have, have been absolutely fantastic. Although they have reduced a bit recently just with the, the growth of the, the platform, I think. So that's a conventional way of trading. So my and, and I'm not claiming to be a genius here, and I'm not the only person who's doing this, and there's certainly lots of smarter traders than me. But my approach has always been, actually, right from the start, to chase capital appreciation rather than dividends. And sometimes mm. dividends might be a factor in that, but they're not my priority. So, yeah. kind of, I'm. <laughs> I think the starting point for my trading is is I'm always looking for value. That's, um, you know, in an asset class, I'm looking for who are the cheapest players compared to, you know, relevant realistic comparators. And then what I try and do is I try and shift my strategy around over the course of the football season, depending on where I think the money's going to be going next. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's how you can really chase capital appreciation 
Uh, and I don't always, sell, you know, I might sell up before I accrue any dividends. But if you've got a big chunk, chunk of capital appreciation, that's more lucrative in my experience. So yeah. I think to go into detail a, a bit more, I mean, the kind of the main thing I do is, is try and anticipate what uh, football indexes, market cycles and trends, where they're going to go next. And the market cycles are relatively predictable. It's things like transfer windows or Champions League games are starting, etc. Trends are a bit more kind of ad hoc. They, they come and go. Uh, but and my approach is actually to get in early. So, for example, in April, when I think there was a deposit bonus announced for the uh, share split, I was abroad at the time and I couldn't trade. Now, normally, if if I'm in front of my computer or on my phone, I'll kind of put in what money I can, and then everyone goes and buys the premium players. It's kind of a kind of group thing thing. But I miss that. I was abroad for several days, but I've had a good hard think, thinking, well, I want to get the money from the deposit bonus. Where am I going to go? So I then decided, right, I'm going to put my deposit bonus money in, and I'm going to start buying uh, young players for the summer tournaments, the under twenty World Cup, the under twenty one Euros. Uh, and I did that, and I was kind of one of the, I think, just from their price graphs, one of the first people to do that. And then I started dripping out onto FI Twitter what I'd done. And then over the course of the next couple of months, those by the time those tournaments started, a lot of my players had gone up by 50% or even more, yeah. uh, you know, which is a fantastic return. But I'd kind of anticipated it well in advance. And sometimes you have to wait a bit, and then tr- kind of the rest of the market catches up. And then the other thing I tend to do, a lot of those players, those uh, summer tournament players who are playing in PB leagues and getting 90 minutes, I've still got them because I, I'm hoping they're going to be, at least some of them are going to go on to be the next world beaters. But some of them didn't do so well. But those, when I kind of get in early on trends, I then tend to actually bail out fairly early as well. Don't get yeah. too greedy about trying to sell at peak price because what I then want to do is put that money back into the next trend and sit there and wait. And people talk about kind of com- compounding pr- uh, dividend uh, income reinvesting. But actually, I find compounding uh, capital appreciation is massively lucrative. So if I take a chunk of cash and over the course of a year, I put it into I have four different strategies that last about three months. As you go through that, your money really starts to go up quite rapidly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, so, I think. And, and, and to give couple of other examples in this <laughs> this this one caused a stir on the football <laughs> index twitter last year in in may there was a sell-off of uh of the pb players ahead of the world cup and and i had access to a you know one of the uh, pb data products and realized that loads of these players who've been sold off were offering 25 percent plus returns just on pb dividends so i yeah. bought them all in may and I uh, kind of bet the ranch on it a bit, bet big on it, because I just thought it was it was kind of a one-way bet. And then I put it out on Twitter what I'd done, and loads of people complained because they just sold those players to invest in World Cup players. But yeah. actually, over the course of that summer, the PB players, there was a massive PB player surge, and all those players doubled over the course of the summer. Or yeah. as, a, as an asset class, they doubled in price. It was particularly helped by last summer football index had deposit bonuses in july and september and after that september deposit bonuses i felt the pb players were then they'd peaked and so i sold them all and then i was the first person or one of the first people on, on fi twitter saying i've now sold all my pb players 
And that caused uproar as well because everyone wants to sit there, hold their PB players and, and, and get dividends. But actually those premium, P, the expensive PB players, kind of with a few, exem- uh, 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 a few exemptions, people who really did smash it on dividends, they then drifted down over the, over the rest of the season. So that kind of thing, kind of calling a market trend in advance, it is, feels like a bit of a risk. But if you're confident in your judgment, get in there early, find roughly the right time to sell and move on to the next thing can be really lucrative. So, yeah. like I say, it's f- focusing on capital appreciation and the fact that I sold all my PV players without hardly any of them accruing any dividends. I was fine with that. I was totally relaxed with that. Yeah, I think like I, I kind of have a mix of things going on. But recently, it's do you know what I what I struggle with is the it's it's finding the maximum enjoyment out of FI while me also making money because I kind of want to enjoy it and I know I could make more money if I bought players that I'm not watching every week and that are from unknown leagues who are young and I know they'll grow but what I've kind of done recently is I've went kind of big on I actually went huge on like 15% of my portfolio was pretty big for me um Raheem Sterling right, a couple okay. of months ago because I know I'm going to be watching the premiership every week I do fantasy football and stuff and I I just if he does well and I'm watching him, I just get more enjoyment out of that than some guy scoring a goal in for Getafe or fucking Valencia or something in Spain that I'm not watching. So I've kind of went big on the likes of Madison and Sterling and Kane and Salah, which worked out great this weekend, and Virgil van Dijk and stuff like this. Now, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of those young players as well, but my portfolio is predominantly towards the, the more premium assets that do win dividends. But one of the most lucrative things I've done on the index is exactly what you're saying. It was spotting up, obviously the PB kind of players were going to start being bought up again in July, coming into August and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I got on them very early June. I bought all Alejandro Gomez at about 75 or 80 P or something. Parejo, Luca Dina, all these types yeah. of boys who have high dividend yields and just sat on them. And I well, think that, over the summer, great, cause then. there's no games. It's, it's, that that's a good way to do it, but I don't know if I would have the patience to sit with people in my portfolio during the actual season, whenever there's games every weekend. If some of my players weren't maybe playing, or no, I, I totally understand stuff. the attraction of of watching a live game and holding some of the players in that game. Is you know, it's a great buzz, uh, uh, and, and my portfolio is almost full of like players under a pound, and apart from like. French league games on a Friday night or whatever. I don't, <laughs> or German German league games are also uh, on BT Sport. I don't get to see my players play as much, so I totally yeah. understand. And also that the PB matrix surge is something because I'm kind of less of a data guy and less focused on PB. I actually missed out on that. You know, I'm not claiming to be to know it all by any means. So I know a lot of people made a lot of money on that, and that was like a trend that. I think people who kind of focus on those things identified and made loads of money. And I was, I had a kind of quiet week while that was going on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I hope I'm not coming across as someone who, who knows it all. Cause I certainly don't, but I just have quite a, a clear focus on my strategy and my ideas. And I guess I'm then fairly relaxed about, you know, a lot of the big games on TV. I'm not holding any players, but I've probably yeah. got sofa score open in the background watching some, you know, two relegation teams in the uh, Spanish league playing each other because I might have a couple of players in that or whatever. Yeah, 
Uh, but it goes back to like I said every episode, and this one's going to be the same. Just do what you want to do. Like do do what makes you happy. Because I know I would be awful bored doing what you do, but I would probably make more money. But I think for me to keep my interest in football index and actually keep at it long term and stay focused, especially with the podcast, I need to be watching. You you want your guys on the screen when you're watching the match. That's totally understandable. And 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 I think you know football index has got a brilliant niche for that as well because it's a it's you know obviously their USP is you don't lose your stake at the end of the game. So I think a lot of the guys who would bet on the number of corners in a match or daft stuff like that. And, and, you know, they might win every now and again, probably lose more often. But hopefully they'll come over to Football Index and realise that actually, you know, actually hoping your guy scores or whatever, you might get some IPDs or if they score a couple, they might win PB, is yeah. a lot more fun than counting how many corners have been in the game. Yeah, hopefully. I suppose that's their, their sole aim, get a lot of those standard issue punters over. I certainly find it more fun. Yeah. Um, but look, we'll move on. Um, let me see. We'll go straight into the the top five risers and fallers of the past week. I've done a little bit of research and got the numbers and stuff here. And if you want to pitch in on any of them with your opinion on the player or why they've dropped or risen, okay, yeah. go for it. So the biggest riser of the past week, and this is of 11 a.m. today, uh, Sunday, Rihad Mares is up 44 pence, which is actually 44.44% to a price of 1.43, uh, 1.43 pence. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, in my head, I'd say that's predominantly down to maybe the Sané injury, meaning he's going to get more game time, and then his performance um, in their 5-0 win. I yeah, yeah, he, play, he played really well yesterday, and you're exactly right. The The fact that Sané's injured means uh, Sterling is probably going to spend a lot of time in the attacking uh, left role. Uh, I think uh, Mares will probably rotate a fair bit with Bernardo Silva. But then Bernardo Silva is also a really good rotation option for the two kind of David Silva and, and uh, De Bruyne. So yeah. compared to last season where Mares didn't feature Nick very much, I think this season he's definitely going to feature more. And he is a guy who's, you know, City are just going to score five goals every game. And Mares has definitely got the ability to score and set up goals. So, yeah, yeah totally understand that one. That makes a lot of sense. The second biggest riser is by 35.16%. I'm going to start rounding these percentages up. It's too much of a mouthful and no one cares. <laughs> Fair enough. By 35% or 32 pence to a price of £1.23 is Kyle Walker-Peters. I'd say that's probably down to him starting at right back for Spurs and the fourth injury. Um, yeah, and Ori is injured as well, I think, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah he's, he's young, he's gone, English. So. I've, I've always been quite impressed with him when he... Uh, He's had a few games in the past. I think, actually, was it just after they bought Oria? He played a game then because uh, Trippier might have been injured and he had like two or three assists in, in a game and then he didn't appear for the the rest of the season or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he disappeared for a long time. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a lot of talent and potential. I read a couple of things saying his delivery was, wasn't great yesterday. So, uh, But at the moment, it looks like he's got probably got a free run at the right-back slot in quite an attacking team. So, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ryan Sessegnon on the left and him on the right, which would be quite an exciting duo. Yeah, but they've got they've English got two players. left backs, haven't they? They've still got Rose and yeah, Davies. And so I'm, I I wonder if uh, Sessegnon is being might do what Gareth Bale did and might end up playing a bit further forward for Spurs and be more of an yeah. attacking thread uh, threat. Sorry. There. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah we, we'll see how that one pans out. He obviously wasn't in the squad yesterday, but we'll see. The next biggest riser is Iose Perez, who's up 28% uh, 
uh, by 30 pence to a price of £1.38. I'd say that's down to being an exciting new like Leicester are very exciting this season uh, with Brendan Rodgers and the, the the players they have. Um, and he scored two and three appearances in preseason, looking to be starting up top of Vardy. That from what I looked yeah, at, yeah, anyway. he finished last season really well for Newcastle in difficult, you know, for uh, a team that was battling relegation and and Rafa's tactics were relatively negative, and he's got a transfer and and Brendan Rodgers was you know Leicester's uptick in terms of attacking output when he he came in was massive so yeah it, yeah. it looks like Perez is is probably going to play up front with Vardy in a lot of games and he is a really handy looking player so I can under, I can understand that one as well uh be interesting to see whether he delivers now though because I think he actually only got 12 goals last season but more than half of them were in the last uh in the last handful of games last 10 games yeah. or so so yeah but that's you know when you're playing for Newcastle and the I don't know, it seems like such a toxic environment and I just there didn't seem to do a lot of positivity around the place. I'd say he could do way way better at Leicester and obviously Jimmy. Yeah, Hardy's that's obviously that's age. obviously what uh, traders are banking on. I I remember yeah. looking at him a couple of months ago when he was a lot cheaper than he is now and almost pressing buy. It's obviously one of those regrets yeah. that you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I had the same one whenever he scored a few goals um, at the end of the season, but. Um, we move on. Raul Jimenez for Wolves is up by 25p, which is 25% to a price of £1.25. I would have said it's just because he was he was drastically underpriced compared to his performance last season. He's an unbelievable season for Wolves. And I mean, maybe people are buying him for IPD, but he does have United, Chelsea and Everton within the next month, which are tough games. But yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I think he, did he score a couple of goals in their, in their Euro, Europa League qualifier? And I agree, you know, he had probably something like 12 or 14 goals and assist and assists last season, something like that. So, yeah, I, I can understand that one. He's just got to kind of keep producing now, hasn't he? Kind of second season yeah. for Wolves. But I think they've got a really good manager, so I'm expecting them to do really well again. And also yeah. you've got the, uh, as long as they get through to the Europa League, you know, there's your possibility of him playing twice a week uh, in the Europa League group stages, which obviously increases your your chances of winning, uh, yeah, you know, dividends I'd say, or whatever. Yeah, I'd say he'll have a great season. I'm just looking there, and he did. Um, he scored two in preseason and one in 54 minutes against Crusaders, which are a really, really shit Irish team right. in the Europa <laughs> League. Um, and then he scored two in the next game uh, right. against Pionic in the Europa League. So you already got four goals in two games. Um, yeah, that's obviously got a lot to do with it. And I'm just looking there. I haven't really looked into him too much. He got three goals in three games for Mexico. And I suppose that was probably the um, the goal. What's that? The oh, yeah, he's, he's a really good player. I re- he was in my FPL team last season, all season. So yeah, he was a kind of latched on to him early and, and realized, he, you know, he's a re- you tend to focus on players a bit more if they're in your FPL yeah, team, I absolutely. find. And he's, I think they, they got him on loan initially, although they then paid the agreed fee for him. But... There's one of those walls seem to be uh, the whole team has been uh, filled out by George Mendes, isn't it? The, uh, the Portuguese uh, agent. But actually, they've got some really good players and they've, the, the yeah, manager is like really obviously knows what he's doing as well. I think them and Leicester could really, really push for the, the top yeah, six this yeah. year. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Man, it's interesting that Man U are playing Chelsea today because one of them, unless it's a draw, one of them's going to get off to a bad start. They've both got very inexperienced managers. Uh, 
perhaps not the strongest squads. We're going to be relying on youth a, a lot. So I could see either or both of Manu and Chelsea struggling quite badly this season. Yeah, I, I could see the same. Um, one of them could definitely lose out on. Well, I, I would imagine one of them will lose out on Champions League, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were struggling for Europa League. It just depends how it goes. I mean, things could crumble or things could go unbelievably for both of them. I, I just don't know. Yeah, um, potentially both tell. both managers could be sacked before Christmas, couldn't they? If they yeah, make really bad realistically. <laughs> yeah, but we'll tell, we'll we'll find out. the The next biggest riser, um, and the last riser we're going to cover. Is by twenty one percent, thirty two pence to one pound eighty seven. It's Naby Keita, and I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, or if he's done something in preseason, but well, he's injured, isn't he? But um, Klopp was saying it's two weeks till he's back, and he's much more settled in the team. His body language and everything is different. Both him and the club. Yeah, I, I think season. that one is is down to Klopp's quote. So hard for traders p- to predict that's going to happen. I mean, I've had yeah. conversations on F- FI Twitter before with people. Uh, even GMK, actually, who I think has got quite a big holding in uh, Naby Keita, because I I loved him when he was at Leipzig, uh, but I think Klopp's tactics kind of he was a box to box midfielder and he scored a lot of goals. He actually I'm sure he won PB a few times there, but Klopp's tactics kind of stifle the the real forward runs into the area of his central midfielders because he's got his three. Uh, forwards who interchange a lot and then he uses his fullbacks to get very high up the pitch and put crosses in and he actually asks his midfielders to kind of sit outside the area and and kind of recycle the ball around there but also be ready for the defensive transitions so I'm not convinced Keita is is going to produce on the pitch because of that even if he is you know settled in etc and gets fit yeah yeah I don't think a comment like that from a manager is what warrants a twenty percent rise. I don't know if something else is going on behind the scenes, but yeah, the, maybe but, it's just the fact he's coming back from injury. Or I just think like managers make these comments to the media all the time to give their players a bit of a morale boost, yeah, yeah. and just to show they're behind them and stuff. I mean, there mightn't be a lot of substance to it. Um, you'd never know. But, but we're, I mean, we're definitely a bit of the season though, where I think people are excited about the new season. I think. Some people, at least I'm one of these, I've kind of sat on quite a big balance looking for opportunities at the start of new season because things never repeat the same as they did last season. Some players will might be consistent, but some of them will play a lot better. Some will play a lot worse. So I think we're seeing some really big rises at the moment that in a month's time, if a player you know, scores in the first 10 minutes of the game, they won't be going up 20p like they're going up at the moment. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you trade smart or you get lucky, you can still take advantage of that, what's going on at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll move on to the, the biggest fallers. Uh, 28% of a drop, which is and the, the biggest actual pence fall or rise of anyone. It was Paulo Dybala, who's dropped by £1.12p to a price of 285 in the last week. Yeah, fairly obvious there. Obviously coincides with when everyone thought it was going to Man United. I mean, last week, I I personally, my first transfer window was in January uh, 2018. And I tried to trade it. That was when there was the Alexis Sanchez saga. Uh, yeah. And I tried kind of not quite day trading, but I tried to be trading it active, actively. I just had a complete nightmare. I lost loads of money. And I, yeah. I, I personally just don't get involved in the uh, in the big transfer stories at all now during the transfer windows. I might buy some of those players three months in advance and wait for them to rise and then kind of 
sell and just take my money elsewhere. But I don't try and actively trade those players in in the last week because I think there's always there's always someone who's got the fastest finger, either buying when it's going up or selling when it goes down. And when bad news hits, you can really get like you know take a massive hit on that, which I know some people yeah. did. I think it's much more of a lottery for the average football index user. However, I do think if you were the type of person who quit your job and had a big balance in FI and you were actively sitting down in your little homemade office with four screens and all the news outlets and you had feeds going and notifications on and you were ready, you could probably buy good stories and sell bad ones very quickly. But how realistic is that to 99.9% of users? I yeah, think it's just I mean, such a lottery because you can think someone's going to go, but as we've seen this summer and we see every summer, he's going, he's not going, he's going, they've agreed this, they've agreed that, they disagree on this, he wants to chase it there, this team's also interested. It's just up and down and up and down. And Yeah, I stay. I tended to stay pretty clear. Um, yeah, I, I, think, my, I think traders have to kind of try try trading all different kind of strategies and different times of the season. But if if something doesn't work for you, I've I've always found that some ways of trading have come a bit more naturally to me, and and just at really day trading all the rumours piling in and out is not something that comes naturally to me. Whereas I'm sure there are other people who can just straight away it's something that they're they're quite good at. So I think it's a good idea for traders to kind of focus on their strengths and and move away. Don't feel pressure to to trade in certain ways if it's not profitable for you yeah i agree um we'll fly through the rest of the fallers um a lot of them have pretty much the exact same thing going on all right are they, are they transfer window well that didn't pretty happen. much not all of them to be fair but four out of the five are uh the next one's bruno fernandez who's down 26 percent by yeah. 73p to 2.6 i'd say it's exactly the same milinkovic savage is down by 19p, 12% to a price of 137. I'd say that's because yeah. it didn't materialize. And then David Neres extended his Ajax contract and moved to the Premiership. Yeah. He's down 18p by 9% to 175. The only one in the biggest fallers who isn't to do with that is Leroy Sane, who unfortunately wrecked his ACL, potentially yeah. out for about seven months. He's down by 38 pence or 15% to 214. And to be honest, I think that's a pretty civil drop. Um, it could have been much worse. I would, I'd say that's not the end of yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on an ACL. Yeah, absolutely. But some some traders are kind of, once the price drops beyond a certain point on injuries, there are always people who are quite happy to move in and know yeah. that you know the price will be back to where it was a few months later and they're quite happy to just sit there. And it's almost like kind of a guaranteed profit situation maybe not a, um, a big profit but they just know they'll they'll make money on it so they're quite happy yeah. to do that the, the one I've start, thing i've the started one, doing that as well right okay i mean for me it's it's too slow though you will profit but it's not quick enough i'd <laughs> maybe i'm a bit greedy but i i haven't really got the i think there's other areas where over the same yeah. time period you can you can probably chase bigger profits than than just sitting waiting for injury players to tick up uh, yeah, but each um, each to their own. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I have. I like. It's not that I do it majorly, but I, I wouldn't have been doing it in Leroy Sane, even though I love him as a player, because I don't feel his drop by fifteen percent is big enough to warrant it. Um, but when a player drops by thirty percent or something, or a big big drop, I'd be. And if you're one of the, 
if you get on towards the bottom i've only done it with maybe one or two players it's not a big part of my strategy but i kind of like if it's a very promising player who i like who's young who's low priced anyway and maybe takes a dip at 20p i like maybe buying a couple of hundred of them and just leaving them sit because they're gonna you just see them ticking up a couple of pennies a week and yep and and you drop- never know if they come back and start playing well you've got a really good player at such a budget price and drop, uh, drops are definitely an opportunity. My favourite trade of this summer was five minutes after the last Premiership game, so back in May, uh, there was a bit of a final sell-off of like all the IPD players had just been drifting down anyway because people realised they weren't going to get any dividends over the summer. And there was a final sell-off of Jamie Vardy. And yeah. I so at, the, at pretty much the lowest point, I've got 4,000 Vardys at 35p, I think. Jesus. And he's now trading at 85p. Uh, so I think in yeah. about three months, it's gone up about 135, 140% or something. And that and that is yeah. definitely just a trading the dip opportunity. You know, Vardy's profile, he's pretty old. He's not like the young kids that get a lot of hype and a lot of money chasing him. But it was just, it just seemed like an opportunity. I just felt that by the end of the summer, a bit like injury players go up. But I, to be honest, I didn't realize he would go up that much. Yeah, he's just such a prolific goal scorer, isn't he? Yeah, and, and, and Rogers has parties and WKD. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Part, I think part of the reason he's gone up so much is he has the potential when they open media up to all the players rather than just top 200. He's one of the few kind of relatively cheap players who you could actually see winning. You know, if Leicester play really well or he bags a hat trick in a big game, a big TV game or whatever. You can see him uh, winning media dividends, so I think that is yeah. that is it's, it's not just the the lure of IPDs that's driven uh, Vardy's price that high. Yeah, it's also I suppose it's it's a risk with his age and stuff, but I mean there's always the chance of that he scores a few hat tricks or he does really well because Leicester is so exciting this season, and then England call ups are thrown around the place, and it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. he, you know, if he if he got a chance. I know there are very promising strikers there, but I mean. All it takes is an injury or two, and Vardy's in there as second choice yeah. or third choice. But the the, um, the risk with Vardy as well, though, is because of his age. If he gets a bad injury, his 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 price is really going to go drop yeah. drastically because people will be worried it could be career ending or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the first question we have, the first one from Twitter is from Kingsmead FI. Very very uh, deep question here. He wants to know, will there ever be a boy born that can swim faster than a shark? <laughs> I, I I have no idea where that's come from. Uh, but I guess if a shark's chasing you, then, you know, it might happen. Uh, is that a lyric from a song or something? Am I, am I, am I meant to like sing the next lyric or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I, I don't know I'd say if, if Michael Phelps can't swing swim faster than one though I don't think there's ever a chance uh, but, yeah anyway um, excellent yeah, question I don't know time will tell great question <laughs> thanks for it very topical uh, FI Headhunter wants to know what's your highest FPL finish uh, yeah I saw that one so I only actually started doing FPL two years ago two seasons ago I know it's been going a lot longer than that and I actually came up Probably around your the starting well, like, football I came index. On, I set up a Twitter account to tap into the uh, FBL knowledge and started seeing stuff about football index, and that's actually how I got into football index a few a few months later. So I think my first handle on uh, on Twitter was just an FPL one, 
and then when I joined it, Football Index yeah. instead. So I've only got a couple of years' experience, but my first season two years ago, I finished fifty thousandths. So I think that's like not bad at all. That, that's one percent for a first go felt okay. And then last season, I finished hundred and fifty thousand. But by then, I think I probably div- I moved over to devoting most of my kind of research time to football index rather than FPL. So my my t- attention to FPL had fallen off the ball a bit. But just just a brief aside, yeah. I'm old enough that I st- I used to love fantasy years ago, like probably about 25 years ago or something. The first one, the first big one that got really popular was a Daily Telegraph one, and I once managed to finish in there. It had like a lot of people playing it. I once managed to finish 22nd in the country in that one. And uh, I've still got the Jeez. newspaper cutting uh, framed in my in my man cave, which is a bit sad, I suppose. But that was... That, like, <laughs> no, I would do... Honestly, I do exactly I'm the same. Sure, uh, that's that's I may what I be remembering Trophies in the yeah, man cave. Yeah, I may be remembering this wrong, but I think that like it wasn't an internet done thing. I think you like posted off your team and then you had to phone in your transfers. You had about 20 transfers a season. You had to phone them in. And Jeez. it was like really difficult keeping track of your your score. I can't even remember how you did that. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's technology for you, isn't it? It's just so easy now. Um, let me see. Dan Jackknife wants to know, as a FPL fan, has your strategy evolved since day one of Football Index? Well, yeah. E.g. adapting to the PB matrix. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that interaction between FPL and Football Index is, is definitely something I've noticed. When I started on uh, Football Index, I do remember buying some of the, like, the, the hot uh, FPL players at that time. But obviously the, 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 yeah. the kind of the matrix or whatever for the two are, are very different. So it's uh, so yeah. I'd, I, my I think my FPL is is getting worse as uh, as I'm just because I'm just focusing more on if I've got time to do research or look into things. It's much more likely to be football index because obviously there's money at stake there. So I tend to prioritise yeah. that. What I find myself doing now in my head a lot, and it's really it's and I'm starting to have to really watch it and be careful is. When I'm looking at fantasy football and picking the team, mine's picked this season already and it's doing all right. it did all right yesterday and hopefully it does okay today. But I was looking at players that are great for the PB matrix, not players that are great for FPL. Yeah, it's definitely two different <laughs> you know? things. And then but- completely different. And then I was thinking, I know whenever I started Football Index, I would have been looking for players who are great for FPL when they might never score um, well on PB. And... They might only be good for IPD. Yeah, you know, so you have, but, you have um, to separate the two. But Twitter is a brilliant resource for for both. Though I think if you're doing both, there's so much yeah. helpful stuff, like you know, detailed analytical stuff on both, and and Twitter's fantastic for yeah. that. Um, Football MDJ wants to know how you value young players. Is it based on an assumption of future potential dividend yield or something less tangible than this? For example, why do you think Willock is worth less on FI than Greenwood? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's my approach to young players is definitely probably a bit less tangible and 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 not very dividend focused because generally my approach tends to be uh, kind of not get really hung up on the whole dividend issue. I mean, my the, the per yeah. I personally have never bought young players who who aren't actually going to be playing on the pitch. So even though it's obviously very lucrative and some of these players, particularly for the big clubs, 
go flying up. So I kind of stay out of that. And it's my loss. I'm missing out on potential profits. But I tend to focus on young players who are actually playing, not necessarily in a PB league, because they could be playing in Holland and Portugal in particular, or or even some of the more obscure uh, European leagues. But I try and find kids who are playing, uh, doing the business, and are relatively cheap, because I see them as, as kind of real excellent capital appreciation potential it's a bit hit and miss you have to like yeah. load up on a few of them and if it like last season i got on a jao felix I'd, uh, really early and then i think i actually he didn't get in the uh, benfica team before christmas so i sold him but then i bought him again as soon as he got in the team after christmas and obviously that was like a massively lucrative thing to do so uh yeah. but yeah that i <laughs> The whole kind of valuation, future dividends, etc., is not really my approach to it. I tend to just look for relatively cheap players who are in the team and have the potential to to improve because of that. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a fair answer. Um, we'll keep rattling through them. Roar Hyde wants to know if you'd give a new user your top three things to consider before buying a player. What would they be? Uh, yeah, I think that's a. Uh, Really good question. I, my personal three things are firstly have a kind of have a think about what you're gonna what you think the market is gonna do next. So this is kind of my almost strategic approach to kind of trading market trends and cycles. So uh, once you've kind of narrowed that down and and chosen one or two uh, that, that where you think there's potential for growth because other traders will come in behind you. Uh, I would then say, like, you know, do lots of research, try and figure out uh, who the potential options are, who are going to benefit most. And then the last thing always is kind of value. Look, look for the players who are relative to comparators kind of cheap, because, again, they have the biggest capital appreciation uh, potential, if, in my opinion. So I, I would mm. say kind of have a, have a strategic think then do lots of research, then look for value and, and then buy after that. And that's kind of, you know, my key three. Those are three yeah. things. Good. Hopefully you get something out of that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will. Football Index Buzz says, suppose you're a brand new trader with a budget of 500 quid joining in the first weekend of the premiership season. What do you do before you go on a spending spree? Who's in your portfolio when you're done? Why did you choose them? How soon are you likely to sell? Yeah, I, I like this question because this was this was me back in November uh, 2017. Uh, for my first couple of months, uh, I didn't put very much money in at all. I was finding my feet. And I also, whether rightly or wrongly, I just decided, because I didn't have much money to play with, I decided to uh, just ignore kind of chasing dividends because I realized they wouldn't amount to very much. And instead, I, I uh, at the time, the, the squad was much, because PB had only just opened up, the squad was much smaller than it is now. There's now thousands of players in there. But I researched, I went through methodically, I researched every single player in the squad and I looked up their, their stats and their, their info on my favorite websites for these things are who scored transfer market and, and sofa score. They're really good, like resources, I think. And, uh, and I, I also searched both Google and Twitter for transfer rumors. And then I found that there were some players who were crazily or really cheap 
still at, some of them still at IPO price, who ticked a few boxes. Uh, so, you know, they might have good goals or assists, or they might just have a really good average rating on who scored. Uh, they might have some really interesting transfer spec or transfer market. You can see whose contract's expiring. And, and so I was kind of, it almost became a holistic thing where I was looking for the cheapest players who ticked two or three of these boxes. And then I, obviously I'd never seen them play, but I was buying them. And I remember one of the first players I bought doing that was a Manuel Akanji, who was at Basel at the time. Uh, but he was playing in the Champions League and he was man of the match against uh, Manchester United when Basel beat Manchester United 1-0. And he was 30p. He was still at his IPO price. I think I was the first person who bought him. So that's like 10p in, in new money now. And uh, mm. But I only bought about 100 because I wasn't playing 100 futures. I wasn't uh, playing with much money. And actually, that soon afterwards, he got transferred to Dortmund. So he went up to about, I remember he was my first player who doubled in price. He went up to about 65p. But Dortmund didn't play him the rest of that season uh, because uh, they were waiting to ship out Socrates, I think. And they managed to ship out to Arsenal. So I got bored waiting and, and sold him. So I kind of, in, in new money, I bought him for 10p. I sold him for 20p. And he's now about a £3 <laughs> player or something like that. So I, I know that that was the last limb of the question, kind of when to sell. Well, to, I, I always think timing when to sell is the most one of the most difficult things on Football Index. Timing when to buy can sometimes be really obvious or you really get a good feeling about it. But timing when to sell yeah. can be really difficult. And if, if a player gets a transfer, doubles in price, but then sat in the, res, the reserves, my personal trading style isn't to be super patient and wait for him to get in the first team. I'll just sell up and move on. But obviously in that case, uh, it perhaps wasn't the smartest move in the end. Yeah, I think selling selling's such a tricky one because what I find myself doing more and more now is I'll sell a portion of them when I feel I should be selling, but I'm not sure. And that means at least I've banked that profit. Yeah, and then I'd, I'd, I wait a bit longer for the for the rest of them. T- I totally agree. I think um, both, if you if you have a bit of uncertainty, I think both buying in chunks and then selling in chunks is a really good idea. Particularly if players have gone up a lot, you want to bank some profit, sell a bit, because then if if something drastic happens and they really crash down, at least you have got some profit from it. So I would yeah. I would never argue with anyone kind of doing that. I think it's it's quite a good what a good compromise in that in those situations. Yeah, it makes you feel a bit better. You maybe don't feel as open or high risk yep. at that stage. Absolutely. You just you've banked a bit, and whatever happens happens. It's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Um, football index addict, uh, not the FI tipster who's been on here. A guy at CocoBet Two has asked how to play IPT IPD strategy in your opinion successfully. I don't know if you do it much based on what you've told us so far, but do you have anything to, to input Well, there? I, I think IPDs are really interesting because I think there's various ways you can you can try and trade them uh, and all potentially are profitable. Uh, I mean, the first limb for me is to, uh, to buy early for capital appreciation. So here you're almost accepting that you're never going to earn any dividends. So I did that with Vardy uh, back in May. I'm never going to earn any dividends from from that purchase but the capital appreciation has been completely bonkers so you can buy early in certain certain parts of the season uh perhaps after a sell-off and that can be very lucrative and then other way you can do it is some people are 
look to maximize the number of IPD eligible games within their 30 day period so some of the guys who play in in Europe you can get six or seven games out of those players within 30 days so if you buy on a key date you have the potential to accrue a lot of dividends in that time and then another way of of trading IPDs which I know has been discussed a lot is people are talking about refreshing them so when you get near the end of your 30 day period instead of just like selling and accepting what dividends you've earned Next time that player scores, try and get in on the buy really early ahead of the spike. And then so you get the dividends, but then sell your existing futures, which are getting near to their 30 day expiry uh, at the top of the spike market, sell them. So you've refreshed and then you get another you get the dividends for that day, but you also get another 30 days down the line. And I think it's going to be quite yeah, interesting, interesting to see how practical that is to try and do that. I'm certainly going to try it this season, but there may be quite a few people doing it. But the one, the one thing I'd add on IPDs, I think the most critical thing is to be try and be as efficient as possible about when you sell IPD players. So I really don't think it's necessary on day 30 to just, you know, if there's no demand for market sell, to instant sell and, and reduce your potential profit on that player my preference in that situation is actually to keep holding the player beyond the 30-day period and then next time they score and they spike up in price and you can market sell into that spike and you won't get the ipd dividends but actually your your capital appreciation will will be or will be you know you might get an extra 5p out of that or whatever if it's a relatively cheap player so i i think the key thing with ipds is kind of timing when you buy and for what reason, but then be really careful about when you sell. Don't don't kind of chop all your profit off by selling at a bad time in a bad way. Yeah, I think that refresh in the futures thing was the most interesting thing for me there that I hadn't really thought of too much before. But it makes a lot of sense if you say a hundred someone sitting there, they score, you list a hundred, buy a hundred. Yeah, I mean I you'll think still get the IPD money and you'll be refreshing your shares that that's interesting i might actually edit this part of the podcast out and just keep that for myself <laughs> well i've <laughs> i've i'm not a huge data analyst but i've seen some people uh, kind of have to take their word for it on fi twitter saying that if you hold an ipd player for nine months and and they they're relatively cheap and they score a relatively high amount of goals and you even though obviously you pay commission two percent commission each time you sell and rebuy that the potential returns from that uh, dividend returns is higher than you're going to get from uh, media players and, and PB players. Uh, yeah, so I haven't looked into it, so I'd have to be taken word. But yeah, yeah, but suppose, I'm, yeah. I'm going to try it and see what happens. Whether it's practical, uh, I mean, yeah, but it, it's definitely an interesting option, and I'm going to give it a go to see see whether how it yeah. works, whether it works. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. You should let us know how you get on. Um, We've a question here actually from I think it's your best friend, um, the Dawn. He says, "Do you right. think you'll still be on the index in five years?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> good old Don. Uh, <laughs> I would, yeah, the, I think I will be. Yes, but the extent to which I'm on there, I think, will depend on whether Football Index is still in growth mode. If Football Index is still in growth mode, then player prices should still be going up. You know, they should be kind of walking up the dividends as well to kind of keep pace with it. And I can't see in that environment it would be a good idea to take too much capital out of the index unless you need it because 
the potential re- returns, you know, in a good month, you're looking at 10% plus, etc. However, at some stage, eventually, although I don't think it's uh, uh, kind of going to happen very soon, uh, probably the growth will stop and then football index will become a zero sum game, they call it. And so you, for you to win a bet, you're probably going to need another trader somewhere to be on the other side of it losing. And it will yeah. be much harder to profit in that situation. And I think if football index ever does level out like that, I think probably a lot of people will look to take their a chunk of their capital out. So if within five years football index has leveled off, I'm sure I'll still be doing it because I think it's a brilliant product and really good fun. But I may well have sucked out quite a bit of my profit by then as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be in the same boat. Yeah. I so, think we're all just here riding this wave and hoping it keeps well going the way it's Yeah. Going. I mean, I don't know how football index and manage that. If too many people trying to take their money out at once, it could be a crash. But then if, if, if there's a bit of a crash, then prices might start looking decent again and then you might get a growth yeah. period again. So, yeah. Um, all right. We'll move on to FI Bielsa who asks, assuming Madrid's desire to sign him stays the same, how do you rate Pogba as a hold? If we know a move is likely next window, could this lead to panic selling before the windows even open and the rumour mills start? Are the dividends worth the risk in this booming market? Uh, Mr Pogba is, is one of my favourite subjects and uh, because I uh, decided back in uh, April that I was going to sell my Pogba, my Neymar, my Messi, etc. And reinvest the the money elsewhere chasing capital appreciation now it turns out in hindsight that that was probably quite a good move because Pogba and the others over the summer their prices have kind of drifted down and all right they've earned a lot of dividends but the net effect is neutral whereas the players that I bought that time so getting into IPD early and getting into the summer tawny players they've actually the capital appreciation on them is significant but this, this summer has been the kind of the summer of what I've called the the Pogba wars on FI Twitter because the two sides are fairly entrenched and there's a lot of discussion goes on. Some of it gets quite heated. So to try and answer the question as best I can with a couple of points, my I still don't think Pogba is worth buying, in my opinion, because I think there's a bit of a consensus on FI Twitter, even among Pogba holders, that uh you know, you you are probably going to get 20% return in dividends out of him in a year, which is a bonkers return. But how much capital appreciation are you are you going to get? He seems to have hit a bit of a ceiling. You might get another 10% out of him, maybe a bit more. But to my mind, 30% over a year, and you need to sit there for a year because you need to get all the divvies, is, a, is not a good return with football index in, in growth mode. I mean, I, most months I'm doing 10% plus. And if I held Pogba, who was going to give me 30% a year, that would be a drag on the growth in my portfolio. So that's how I look at that. And then the the other, and this is a bit more of a jokier side now, the other element of it is I think this summer, I think part of the reason that there's a lot of people, Pogba advocates on FI Twitter, saying, oh, he's going to £8, going to £9, going to £10. But I think some of the Pogba advocates are kind of their own worst enemies because I think, you know, you have this character, Yavi, whoever the hell he really is, I simply have no idea. (laughs) But the way he kind of acts on Football Index Twitter is, you know, he he seems to have no problems at all with being 
abusive to people, being immature. Uh, maybe it's all tongue in cheek. You know, who knows? It's hard to tell. Uh, and then his supporters, you know, are always giggling on the sidelines like a bunch of school kids. But I, I think the impression they create, kind of by Pogba, and, and is 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 not really. I mean, who would who would want to buy anything off people like that? To be honest. Uh, yeah. So my personal I'd say there's probably opinion, a better way to go about it. Yeah. Well, I I personally think, and again, I'm kind of joking here, is that I think the Pogba advocates. Instead of putting Yavi kind of front and centre, I think they'd be better off kind of pushing him down the back stairs and uh, burying him under the patio, and maybe they might get a bit more traction. And oh, no. I would I'm like to emphasise that was like a metaphor and a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I've, I've spoke to Yavi before. I talked about having him on here, but obviously he was on Fig's podcast. So yeah, because again, I, I do love a good controversial character, but I've, I've been talking to him and I, I'd say the same to him if I was ever chatting to him. He is pretty abusive, and I don't think he's going to convince too many people with his current strategy. He'd probably call me a bell-end for saying this, but... Oh, yeah, it's, no, uh, absolutely. But it's, it's kind of it's, food for thought. I'm putting that out. I don't agree with the Pogba advocates, but I, I don't think they're going the best way about selling the, the story they're trying to tell. That's been the impression that I've had this summer anyway, that, you know, would what, would yeah. you buy anything from, from these people? They're all a bit nuts, really. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, not, like, to, to, I suppose to... to I don't know, play devil's advocate about the Pogba thing. I mean, I understand your reasoning for not buying them because you feel your money can do better elsewhere. But for those people who maybe want a lower maintenance portfolio and are happy with the risk, I mean, 30% a year might be, they might be happy with that. Um, yeah. However, as mentioned with the potential for them to move off and the panic selling, that's why I'm staying away at the minute. I mean, I'm in a lot of big, big boys, but Pogba's probably one of the top five that I'm not in because yeah. I, mean, I-, I just think he... He's shown it that he wants to leave. He's probably, if not 100%, going to leave. He's not never 100%, but he's highly likely to leave within this January window or maybe next summer, if not. And when that happens, I can see nothing but a plummet. And that, that's just what I see. So I don't want to be involved in the worrying and checking my portfolio all the time for new rumors and being scared of big drops. Although yeah, I know there's I, a lot of dividends well, that Pogba come has all- that. It's just not what I want. I've, in my time on Football Index, I've held Pogba, I think, four different times. He's always been, you know, certainly the most volatile, high-profile player on, on the index because, you know, media dividends, uh, the media surges are by their kind of nature almost volatile. Uh, I, I, I don't, because Man U didn't buy a, a high, an expensive midfielder, I'd be amazed if they sell Pogba because they need him in their team. But even so, his price isn't really taking off like people have been predicting. So I think people are waiting to see. I think if Man U start badly and people talk about sacking uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, then Pogba will probably go up at that stage because inevitably he'll end up in the papers somehow. Uh, You know, he might put something daft on Instagram or whatever. But that was kind of how he got a lot of his dividends last year, by falling out of Mourinho. But if Man U do okay... Pogba might not be in the papers quite so much. And I guess traders are kind of waiting to see what happens. Although I'd, I would be surprised if he leaves in this window. Yeah, I personally can't see him leaving now, but January or next summer, I'd, I'd bank on it happening. If, if, if it was a betting man, I'd, I'd say it'll probably happen. Again, I could be wrong. He could have the best season ever. They could win uh, yeah, I think play, they might but... have done one of these uh, deals with him and said, stay this year and then we'll sell you next summer. I think that might be yeah, what's happening. Um, but... I suppose the... 
the Euros next year, he'll probably get a bit of media because of that. France are probably going to do quite well, but yeah, time will tell. That's enough Pogba talk. Um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But <laughs> F.I. Dougal Maguire wants to know what will be the next trend once the season starts. With Sky Ads, he imagines there'll be a large influx of guys who see it as a monetary alternative to FPL and apply their knowledge of that to FI and buy into the likes of Aubameyang, Kane, etc. We've probably kind of touched on this a few times. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I don't I mind talking that's... about next trends because that is the basis of my trading strategy. I mean, I'm always open yeah. to opportunities. And uh, and even yesterday, actually, I picked up a couple of pe- uh, cheap PB players because I just thought they were offered really good value compared to you know relevant comparators. But in terms of kind of next trends, well, I think we're kind of in – in the middle of one at the moment, we we just had the PB matrix surge, and now we're kind of getting the early season performers. So players like Rain Adelaide yesterday started posting a really good PB score and shot up massively. Uh, and there's a lot of other players who are doing really well for PB who are getting really significant rises. And I think everyone wants to try and get on players like I I got on Savania and Rongier last season relatively early. Like not as early as some people, but if you can get on the up and coming PB guys while well, they're still relatively cheap, is you you get the benefit of, of both dividends and capital appreciation, which is a really nice sweet spot. So, but that's kind of playing out in in real time as the PB leagues restart. I think there's definitely a kind of a, I don't know whether there's much scope to still benefit from this, but the. Uh, Euro 20 qualifiers are now uh, going to be eligible for both PP, PB and IPDs. And I think they're now almost, because they're coming up in about a month's time at the beginning of September. And I think they're almost within the 30-day window, even the second games, because most countries play two games. So I suspect probably the high-profile obvious players who've got weak opposition in there probably either expensive already or have been kind of bought up a bit but i bet there's some nice little bargains if someone wants to do a bit of research looking at the kind of the the national squads around europe and who they're playing uh, and who who could benefit from that uh and then after that then the champions league and the europa league group stages start so straight after that i'd expect kind of focus to shift to those players so again I think there'll probably be a pickup in in players for teams who are in Europe because those players then start playing potentially twice a week. So you get twice as many chances to win dividends. Uh, And then kind of looming after that is the January transfer window, which is something that I like trying to get kind of transfer spec players relatively cheap. And they may not be... uh, posting huge PB scores or earning dividends. But if you've got a young player who's just kind of looks like they're having a really good season and getting a bit of paper talk, then you can really get some good capital appreciation on them if you get in early. So that's my summary of kind of the trends and where I'm expecting things to go. But you never know what might crop up as well. You kind of keep alive to opportunities. Yeah, I think you covered that pretty well. And and there's a lot of a lot of knowledge there and definitely I'd agree with the trends that are upcoming and there's a lot of money to be made if you get in a few months in advance because a lot of people like leaving at the last minute and uh, kind of get greedy holding on to their previous trend as such and then maybe miss out in the next one by by a fair bit but yeah it's all about 
projecting forward and getting in early. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just kind of saying what you've already said, so there's no point in me elaborating anymore. <laughs> we'll move on now. We're getting to that time in the podcast, but before we go, um, maybe for 10 minutes or so, we'll we'll rattle through a few of the negative comments and address that side of, right. of Twitter, if you're up for it. Um, yeah. So I suppose a good way to start it might be um, something here from Football Index Truth. Sorry, Football Index GMK. I'm very, very tongue twisted today. Uh, <laughs> um, he says to enjoy it. He'll have a listen for sure. It's too many questions, but your take on the FI Twitter community with your historical context would be interesting. So yeah, they said- know what you think of Twitter in general. Do you enjoy it? Or I know you're a bit like Marmite. You're hated or loved. What's, what's your kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, this, this kind of does go back to when I first joined Twitter and then my trading strategy that I kind of started with wasn't focused on dividends at all. And I was finding that it was profitable straight away. But there was there was no one else kind of... There was so little talk along those lines and anyone who did kind of talk like that got shouted down pretty quickly. And I guess to kind of give a, a bit more of the backstory, obviously... I, I spoke earlier about prior to PB being introduced in in, uh, November 2017. It was just MB and it was incredibly volatile. And and I have a huge amount of respect for those guys who were on Football Index at that time because it it was kind of shit shit or bust, I think, and people did lose significant amounts of money uh, in a way that doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, And then PB came in and, and... stabilize things and, and brought in kind of pb dividends as, as another dividend income stream and then when i so when i joined football index twitter the, the established community were very much focused on chasing dividends uh either media dividends or pb dividends but actually mostly pb dividends and so the 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 reason kind of me and gmk get paired together a bit is we were both actually kind of trading in other ways and we're both i think our personalities to be relatively vocal on on fi twitter so we would say well hang on we've done this and that was quite profitable and we found we got really shouted down by the by the kind of almost the the powers that be on fi twitter the guys who've been around for a long time who had their dividend chasing agenda and at times it would get quite fraught and quite unpleasant and uh there was you know, just stuff going on. I haven't really got time to get bogged down in all the details, but me and GMK definitely had a, still have really got a target on our back from those, those times. But I think our view was always that, you know, FI Twitter should be like a broader church and that people should be tolerant of each other's, like people have got different trading styles. There's no need to be quite so aggressive and kind of negative about it uh so that's kind of the historical background but i it reached a point where if me me and gmk said things that that people didn't like there'd be like you know i think there'd probably be a three-line whip on a group chat somewhere and you'd suddenly have 20 people posting negative stuff under your posts and all liking each other's posts and you know i'd be getting like 100 notifications every five minutes on my phone and I think you actually, you probably experienced what that's like a little bit yesterday when it all kicked off on on your thread. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually, it's like you can't get anything else done on FI Twitter because you've just got 
all all these people all kind of piling in together and so i have now quite a, quite a while ago i reached a point where i just blocked a lot of those people because it was impossible to have a constructive conversation with them anymore yeah so that's that's kind of my history but I, what i would say now is obviously football index is getting much bigger football index twitter is much bigger and there's now a, it's much easier to talk about your particular trading strategy different trading strategies without kind of a load of people trying to gang up on you anymore. I think those guys have kind of lost their yeah. traction a bit. So they're still there, still doing their thing, but they're not as important anymore. I think I think the interesting thing and why I like having people like yourself on here is because like people can listen. And if they've been listening to this point, they've been listening for Bernard 20 minutes. And hopefully they've probably realized by now you're not the devil. You're a nice enough guy and you're willing to have a constructive conversation. And I think what happens a lot on Twitter is people get to the point or it's almost like this, it's like this group thing where everyone just wants to hate an account or they don't agree with what you've said historically and they're going to jump down your throat anytime you say anything. And maybe they go away from constructive criticism and actually opening conversation and the dialogue and discussing things and it just becomes more abuse. And once it reaches that stage and you're just being abused, it's obvious. It's obviously it makes sense to block people. That's what blocking's for. If you're not going to be able to have a constructive conversation with someone, and you're just going to be getting this barrage of abuse, why would you not block people? But then, from the blockers' side, they're like, "Oh, he's just a fucking shite bag and doesn't want to chat, and he's <laughs> fucking afraid, and oh, he's blocking people because he doesn't want an alternative opinion." But the thing people need to realize is, and I'm saying this completely impartial. Like I have not looked through your Twitter history. I do not know who you argue with or not, but. For the listeners who are listening to me, what you need to realize is, and I'm not saying all these are doing it, there's probably people who've talked to you what they thought was constructively and you've blocked them. But like, but people need to realize that if you're not going and being nice and trying to talk and understand someone with a bit of empathy, and I know we're just names on a screen on Twitter and you don't actually talk to people, but like, these are real people with real lives, with real feelings. And if you're just going to come out the bat calling them a bell end, they're well within the rights to block you. And you can say, like, I mean, there's a few points here. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, it might sound like I'm very on your side here. But again, I'm trying to stay impartial. It's like, yeah, yeah do. You, you, you should do. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting is, you to take sides at all. Yeah, he said, Nifu, Mr. Nifu says, um, similar situation is when I had to uh, FI tipster on the pod. People don't like being questioned and block those who, who do as they want to maintain the illusion of being an authority figure on FI. So... Do, like, do you block any people because you don't want their opinion on your feed, or is it because of the abuse no, aspect? Did, did you say that was Nefu who who gave that was his yeah comment? See, that happened within the last week. I remember that one. I think that was when I did a I tipped Alessana Plea, who plays for Gladback, and Nefu popped up and and was kind of questioning it, which is fine. And to kind of go back to your, I I enjoy kind of cut and thrust backwards and forwards. I I like arguing, which I think probably a lot of people have have worked out. But Nefu on Alessana plea, he started off by saying, "Oh, he's going to Turkey." But I searched everywhere; there wasn't a there's nothing out there saying he's going to Turkey. Then he said, "Oh, he's going to China," but the Chinese transfer window had closed, so he's not going to China. And I, there was a few other interactions as well where I was just kept putting him right and kind of, oh, you got your facts wrong again. And at no point did he kind of let it lie and just leave it. He just kept coming back for more and more. But I was trying to kind of get on with my day, only part of which is spent on 
interacting on FI Twitter. So eventually it reached a point where maybe unfairly I concluded that it had become a bit kind of personal for this guy that he just, you know, was going to keep plugging away relentlessly. So I'd, I blocked him for that reason. I don't know whether that's reasonable to do so and maybe I misunderstood what happened, but that that's the background to that one, uh, you know. And yeah. I, I don't know if it's okay if, you know, there's I, I do end up blocking quite a lot of people, but... FI Twitter is really useful, though the kind of feed for me, I can get a lot of price critical information, hopefully ahead of other people from FI Twitter. But if my timeline is completely clogged up with people just like shouting at me or disagreeing me with no substance, it does mean that I'm slower to access useful information. So that's kind of part of the background on why, you know, people who are just relentlessly negative, I will just block them because I want useful information and interesting people and amusing people on my timeline not people just shouting at me all the time yeah um there's maybe one or two other questions there that we'd go to but just before we get there i'll go through the just to give these people a shout out and let them know they're heard there's a few um give an idea for blocking them i don't know if you remember them or if there's any stories or from your perspective chip in if you want radio index says he's blocked again i thought he got over our little beef you need to grow up here fpl <laughs> <laughs> um canary fi says how come you've blocked me given i'm 90 percent sure we've never had any correspondence Football right index king also thinks you need to grow a pair um fi lammings says didn't even know this guy blocked me does he block anyone he doesn't agree with also has he got more than one player in his portfolio because if so opportunity cost P.S. Loving the pod, by the way. Keep up the great work. Thanks, man. But <laughs> let's go back. To, let's go back to the former bit. I don't know. Is there anything you want to chip in on any of them? I just thought I'd uh, throw them out there. I think. I think my my favorite person, the, the most, the one who's continuing to amuse me, is actually not one you mentioned, but I did see that he put a comment on there, which is a guy called, I think he he's called Kingsmill. Uh, Kingsmill. Is, I don't know if he's named himself after a loaf of bread but he's definitely short of a couple of slices but i i just oh, remember oh i see what you did there cheesy gag time uh and uh, <laughs> i remember uh, you know he's one of these guys who i don't know if he's still doing it but just relentlessly pumps really cheap players who don't seem to have much going for them and every now and again obviously you're going to strike gold with one of them uh and i think eventually i just got kind of bored of it appearing on my timeline so i called him out for it and then we had a bit of an argument and he came across to me as kind of one of these people who just had a complete and utter meltdown because someone had disagreed with him on twitter uh and so it, it did get a bit fraught so eventually i blocked him but now i mean this is quite a long time ago and he's ever since whenever i kind of unblock one of his posts i see that he's telling like the whole world that i need to go to the samaritans uh and he's just oh, yeah. relentless with him? it but, Someone mentioned. I didn't want to mention that because I felt that's a little bit. Well, uh, well, I I just think like there's a bit of a difference between like I felt I was completely justified in calling him out for relentlessly pumping rubbish players. That's and, and completely. I mean, the Samaritans is where people are feeling suicidal. Where's Where's the connection there? I'm absolutely fine with what I did. I'm not feeling suicidal because I've had an argument with him. And I don't really yeah. know why he's making that connection, but it, I, it's a bit unsavory. But obviously, if I say that on this pod, he's probably just going to keep saying it because he thinks he might get a rise out of me. But actually, I just think, you know, he's just making himself look a bit daft, really, by saying that. You know, mental health is not something that, that you should be making those kind of comments around, I don't think. 
But anyway. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so yeah, anyway. King, Kingsmead FA said that. Yeah, I didn't really want to touch so it. So he's not Kingsmead. Could be a bit of a. No, Kingsmead. Uh, oh. But I thought the, the Samaritans topic might have been a bit touchy and might have maybe, I don't know, just hurt a few people or whatever because it's obviously where people go for suicide. Yeah. Maybe people who listen have used them before. It's not really a jokey topic, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he threw that out there and I understand why you're, you're not into it. Um, there's other people who blocked you and then who else is there that might have even said anything that's worth touching on? FPL Grinder, can you explain in full and frank detail why you hate old school traders so much? <laughs> Do you I'm ever feel of... concerned some perfectly valid and insightful points you may have get diluted by over antagonism? Is there any benefit in telling people how to become better trainers? Traders, there are three different questions. Yeah, the, the first one I think I've answered because that was kind of GMK's question about you know FI Twitter history or whatever. Uh, the second one about do, do you lose the message if you kind of antagonise people? Possibly, but you know I'm not going to pretend I. I I do actually quite like kind of getting in discussions and arguments and sometimes they get heated. And then, you know, sometimes I do give as good as I get. So I'm not denying that in case anyone thinks I'm pretending to be an angel. But if someone escalates it, then I may well respond in kind, particularly if I've had a couple of pints <laughs> pints <Yeah>. earlier. <laughs> uh, and then the point of, you know, is there any point in suggesting other people should trade differently well, kind of, why not? I mean, I'm I'm not expecting anyone to finish listening to this particular podcast and decide to ditch all their previous uh, trading strategies that they've used. I'm going to do it exactly like this guy who I've just listened to a podcast does. But I think what these podcasts and also FI Twitter do really well and could be really helpful for is they might just give you a couple of new ideas or something else you can experiment with. There's, you know, if you put, new or different ideas out there some people will take that on board and they may find it more profitable and if they don't you know it's not the end of the world but so yeah. i i i don't mind challenging people who i think have got poor strategies uh because i think there can be a constructive element to it it may not be the person you challenge who decides to try something new but it may be just you know there's lots of people who lurk on fi twitter just kind of watching on and taking useful info info away so yeah. I don't know if that's answered the go. questions, but... No, I'd say it definitely has. And then we'll just close off with two little silly ones and then we'll say goodbye. Um, Football Index Veteran wants to know, I thought this was quite funny, now, although it is a bit mean, did being the, the last pick on the football team at school damage you as a person and make you the way you are today? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to probably sound like a, a bit of a dick here, but I was like, I was captain of my school team and I was captain of the oh, district team. So, there he is. Sorry. Bloody, I'm as bad as Don for willy-waving now, aren't I? But, uh, but yeah, so um, whatever it is that's damaged me, it wasn't that. Sorry, mate. Yeah, um, and then the last one, which I think is definitely one of the most disrespectful and unnecessary comments I have ever seen. RC said, does your breath stink as badly as he thinks it does? <laughs> RC <laughs> is a bit of a nut. We've both blocked each other, so he's he's. I actually cannot see his comments like people who just i've blocked but haven't blocked me i can reveal them and see what they say but i i, I can I, I can see that he's he joins these threads sometimes but i have no idea what he's saying i mean we've we've got a bit of history we shared some dms a long time ago uh which i'm not not going to disclose kind of here you could probably almost make another podcast out of that but <laughs> i think i think there might be a good guy trying to get out of him somewhere but i haven't seen much evidence of it so far 
Yeah, I was alluding to how um, how disrespectful and unnecessary it was almost in jest at the the whole football index truth troll debacle. He, that that's where it started. Uh, RC said that, and he said, "Good to see Irish FI challenge or discourage such dis- such disrespectful and unnecessary comments." Weak. <laughs> so yeah, geez, I really need to comment those stinky bre- comment and dis- discourage those uh, stinky well, breath I, comments in the yeah, future. You know, well, I brush my teeth every morning <laughs> and every night. I don't, you know, what else can I say? Get get some fucking extra, you mad yeah, bastard. Yeah, yeah I occasionally have a bit of chewing gum as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's now. I know we covered. We we finished on the negative shit. I mean, it was. A, I, th- I think it was a very positive podcast, and I'd, I'd say people got a lot of good stuff out of it as well as addressing maybe yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, in negative. A, in a, in our end. chat beforehand, I I said to you, please do ask those questions because obviously I can be, you know, I can be argumentative. I can be a bit controversial. And I think if it was just going through a podcast where you're asking like trading questions or nice questions and we don't touch on all that other stuff, it wouldn't be a fair reflection. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. that you've given me the platform. I really do. And I hope I've kind of come across as okay and not some kind of ogre. And I hope people have appreciated that, okay, I've had a few little uh, jokey digs at one or two characters in this, but they have been like done with a sense of humor. And that is actually yeah. my personality. I, I do like arguing with people, but if you if I had an argument with you down the pub, we would be kind of smiling and laughing at the same time, which quite yeah. often on Twitter just doesn't come across. And then people like you know start falling. The the tone gets missed out, and then people the argument just escalates from there. Yeah, so, but, tone and body but, language aren't something on Twitter, really, are they? Yeah, but I'd, I would smirky say faces about as, as high as it gets in the the emoji front, but like yeah. I, I do try and use emojis quite often because it, it does give people an idea where you're coming from. But I just want to yeah. reiterate, thanks for having me on. But also, I think your podcast is great because I just get the impression that you're going to just get a whole wide range of kind of the FI Twitter uh, experience and, 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 you know, different ways to trade, different personalities. And I think you'll give everyone a, a fair shot. But obviously, you know, keep, keep asking the, the difficult questions as well. So that you 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 know people get a, the opportunity. The people who've asked those questions at least know that they've been answered. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. I think it's, I think that's why it's so important for me to just stay impartial, especially on on Twitter and stuff. It's just I don't want to get involved. I mean, my my job here and the best I feel I can do for the Twitter community, not to sound like I'm a fucking good Samaritan or anything, but <laughs> is just to remain impartial and not get dragged down into it or create enemies. I'm just here, look lads do whatever the fuck you want i'm just going to be the messenger i'll sit here and chat to people um yeah yeah that, that's and what i'm going for anyway and i hope people yeah, yeah. respect that and, that, and, and you know it yeah so you haven't ta- by having me on you haven't taken my side in any of these issues that i've had disagreements with you've given me a platform and people can listen to the pod and they can either agree with me or disagree with me but you know at least i've had a, a fuller chance to explain where i'm coming from which i appreciate so thank you yeah. Well, look, um, thank you even more so. Um, I, that This is, what, two hours out of your time, essentially, with the prep for it as well. So I really do appreciate the effort you've went to and getting the getting the family out of the house for the day to reduce yeah, background well, noise and things. I can it's send a them a text saying you can come back in now because my kids can be <laughs> uh, really noisy. Uh, and I, I've just noticed it's like 10 to 2, so I can go and make myself a cup of tea and get ready for the first TV game. So we've timed That's it perfectly, it. really, haven't we? We timed it absolutely perfectly. And, uh <laughs> Go in and watch Madison. Well, that's that's one of the people I'd be watching because he's one of my holds. But there's a, yeah. there's a few there. But um, 
go in and watch the boys tear it up to a yeah. team. But, Madison is yeah. actually my only my he's my biggest hold by value and he's also uh my only player I think I've got over two quid. Uh, is it Madison, is it? Yeah, I think he's over yeah. two quid, isn't he? I'm trying to remember. Probably, I think he's very exciting. Yeah, the, I'd, I'd I, yeah, I'd, I absolutely love him. I think he's really talented. I think it, I think because Man U haven't bought one of the foreign mids this summer, it wouldn't surprise me if Pogba leaves, if Madison isn't brought in to Man U. Yeah. There's a possibility on the horizon. But he's just, to watch him play, he's one of these guys, he's just... I played a bit of football. I mean, probably most of us did, but he's just got his head up and he's got vision. You know, he can play all different types of passes to play players in. And he's English. I, I, I expect him to get in the England team soon as well. I just think he's a really good player. So, yeah, look yeah. forward to that. Right. We'll sign off. But just as we sign off to for the people listening tomorrow, if they've got to this stage, what's your prediction for the match today? Leicester Wolves. What's the score? Uh, is, that, is that the big match? <laughs> That's the, well. No, I know Man United and Chelsea is probably the big one. But we'll, okay, we'll, we'll predict both, and we'll predict Arsenal and Newcastle. I'll fire through them. We'll do this in like ten seconds each. Yeah, and then if we all get them right, we're heroes. I reckon Leicester win three two. I reckon two one oh. on that one. Two one. Google Home picked something up in the background there. By the way, right. you all probably heard that. <laughs> um, Newcastle and Arsenal. I'm going to go for three nil Arsenal. Yeah, I think that might be one all. I think that might be the Ooh. only point Steve Bruce gets all season. And then Man United, Chelsea, I'm going to go for a boring 1-0 United. Yeah, that is really difficult to call. This. I just feel like there's so much riding on that because if one side wins, yeah. the other way is going to get momentum and the other one could be struggling right from the off with an inexperienced manager. Uh, yeah. I I think that's going to be 2-1 to Man U. 2-1 so. Man U. Yeah. I think it's going to be a bit more boring than that, unfortunately, yeah. but fingers crossed it isn't. I, but look, I, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I haven't done an ACA for years. I feel like I should do a mini ACA of my prediction <laughs> now. But, yeah, it'll uh, be an ACA where the, the prize is pride now. Yeah, yeah that, well, that's right, fair enough. Hero. All right, yeah. well, th- thanks again. Really appreciate it. And uh, if anyone's look, made it to the end, I hope, I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks very cheers. much. Cheers. Bye-bye.